Once upon a morning, there was a freshly brewed McCafe coffee. It was made with 100% Arabica beans, yet something was missing. Fear not, in the distance, a sausage McMuffin with egg rides toward the sunrise in quest for breakfast. The perfect pair met at McDonald's, and mornings were happy forever after. Right now, get a $1 small coffee and a $2 sausage McMuffin with egg from the $1-2-3 menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. It is December 30th, the day before New Year's Eve. Conference play about to get underway. Actually has gotten underway in a lot of leagues. About to really pick up now that January is almost here. I am Russ Steinberg. I'm joined now live by my co-editor Greg Mitchell and staff writer and bad fake haver Chris Schutte. Hey, are you guys on? Yeah. Hey, Russ. How's it going? This is Greg. Hey, pretty good. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and I I like that that uh, that a title for a Chris has to. Uh, has to stick now. I think it has because that's what the third time we've used it. So I love it. Yeah, I'm single-handedly making it a thing. Hey, what's going on, guys? Chris, I think on? I might have to. Yeah, might have to put that into my Twitter bio or something to make it a little more official. I well, I think it gives you a lot of credibility, to be honest. Ironically. Yeah, I, I, mean, I want the readers to know what they're getting into when they when they click on my stuff that way. Saves them a little outrage and they get a little disappointed. Well, it's we call you the bad take haver, but we keep having you on here, so obviously you have things worth talking about. It's uh, <laughs> it is meant mostly in jest, unless we're talking about movies. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you see shows like uh, like First Take and that kind of stuff. People go back and keep watching that, so that's what the people want. I guess I have to deliver. Set a higher bar for yourself than first take, please. (laughs) (laughs) The first one that came to mind. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right. So, what the heck? Why don't we get started actually talking about basketball? And I know when we spoke earlier today, one thing we wanted to talk about was New Year's resolutions, with tomorrow being the last day of 2016, and I I think a good way to do that would be to take a look at sort of the national landscape of mid-major college basketball. Is I hear is that podcast dog I hear in the background? I couldn't get the mute. And that it, yes, I, I think that's another that that is another a title that happened as podcast dog. I'm sitting here, I'm pins and needles. I I'm, I promise you, I have insulated myself in this house as much as I can. It's just uh, it, it's a strong it's a strong bark. So I'm a uh, I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be on on top of the mute button here, but uh, we'll we, we will get better. <laughs> Not a problem. Maybe we'll have the dog on one day to uh, talk basketball. He, um, he'll probably be more more coherent than I am a lot of times. So <laughs> we, we should we should probably. Well, then I I guess I'll I'll start with you. Then I'll put you on the spot right away with you and the dog. Uh, is there anything you really want to see? Uh, come January in mid-major basketball that maybe will help sort out the national picture a little bit for us. Um, you know, and I, I think this will probably be a good segue into something, um, a, a question I think we had gotten on uh, Twitter 
Um, the West Coast Conference, um, Will had a good piece today up on the site talking about how, you know, there's a lot of exciting basketball happening out there. Obviously, we, like, we know Gonzaga's really good. We, we know St. Mary's is really efficient. Uh, we know uh, uh, BYU can score. But, you know, some of these other teams like San Francisco, like Portland, uh, Santa Clara had a, you know, huge win at Palpo um, last week. There's just, you know, that's an exciting uh, conference. And I think with St. Mary's and Gonzaga, you know, if the a bracket falls right, but that's a, those are two teams you could see in the Elite Eight, you know, in the same Elite Eight. So, you know, that's, um, that's something that I want to see at the end of the year. I'd like to see the West Coast Conference. I, I hope it performs as well in March as it seems like it can now. So I guess my resolution for them would be just to continue, you know, impressing. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good one to have, and I'll add to that by helping maybe to answer – uh, the question we got that was from Cam Newton, not that Cam Newton, but the Cam Newton that is Pat Morrison crying on Twitter. Um, and I, I will say that in previous years, it's been Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU, and everybody else being pretty mediocre, to put it politely. And I think there's definitely that separation that we've always seen. But I think that in the early portion of this schedule, we've seen teams like San Francisco and Portland really step up and show that they could hang around with good teams. And I might even add Loyola Marymount to that as well. And I'm not saying any of those three are threats to win the conference by any means, but I think a win over them carries a little bit more value than it has in the past. And I think it's something that the committee will need to appreciate just a little bit more, you know, if what a sweep over San Francisco would look like this year compared to last year or the year before that. And I think ultimately that's going to help uh, the West Coast Conference, particularly the teams at the top. Yeah, and I, like a team like San Francisco, as I watched um, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Diamond Head last week, you know, that's a team that I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, that, that, that'd be really unlikely, but that's a team I could see in the NIT and doing very well in the NIT. You know, if they get hot, the way they shoot the ball – I mean, uh, they beat a really good Illinois State team. Uh, they beat Utah, I believe. That's, you know, I, I think that shows that, that that conference, that Nancy said, is a lot more this year. or and Not a lot more, but is more this year than those just a, a top three teams. Yeah. Um, and it's a good point you bring up about how good of a uh, shooting team San Francisco is. Uh, just some quick numbers. They rank ninth in the country in three-point percentage, 12th in effective field goal percentage. Um, we've said it before, and I think we'll probably say it again a hundred times before the end of the season, but if you're playing on the road at a team like San Francisco that shoots the three really well, upsets happen. And San Francisco is a team that could certainly pull off a couple because all they have to do really is, is get hot. Uh, Charles Minland, the freshman, who I, I just highlighted him in my weekend piece, he's shooting 50% from three-point range, and it's something like 10 for his last 16 from three. I mean, he's a freshman who's getting going at the right time, and it's, there have been a lot of newcomers, I think, around the country who have sort of played a surprising role in their team's early success, and I think he's kind of leading the way. Plus, they have a guy named Frankie Ferrari, which was another thing that I took out of. Because I had not watched him before Diamond Head, and I was, that's got to be the best name. I know that's some really great analysis right there. This is why the people, this is why they read the side, but I mean, Frankie Ferrari, well, is, is, that's one heck, it's one heck of a name. 
the the best part about Frankie Ferrari, I think, because it goes with his name so well, or what you would expect from someone with the last name Ferrari, is that he's five foot eleven. Right? He's a little guy. So <laughs> it couldn't be it couldn't be any other way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's how it has to be. Um, he's he is a sophomore, sat out the first. Um, I don't know, looks like maybe 10 games or so, uh, eight games of the season, and really got into it uh, in the diamond head. Not somebody who is really poor on the points except for one game, that Illinois State game where he had 16. Um, so it's just another weapon that this uh, San Francisco team has. Also had six steals, by the way, against San Diego State. So, yeah, I think uh, West Coast Conference could I – th- I think it could be one of the better mid-major leagues and not just because of those top teams. Uh, Chris, what, what about you? What's on uh, What's on your mind as we head to the new year? Uh, I want to see if the A-10 can kind of live up to the preseason hype. I saw the question we just got, how many bids they were going to get. I think going into the season, um, they were kind of tabbed as a league that we could see potentially getting four or five um, bids, but so far this year they haven't necessarily lived up to the hype. I know Rhode Island has struggled in some of their big games. Dayton has had a couple of injuries that have kind of cost them a couple winnable games. And I think now that we can kind of see all these teams get a chance to play each other, we'll really get a chance to see um, – how they stack up and how the league's going to progress moving into the postseason. Yeah, I I think that's a good one. And, Greg, you could probably talk a little bit better about the A-10 than I can, but my initial reaction of this league over the first two months is that they have a ton of teams that can get into the NCAA tournament. And really outside of the three at the very top, Dayton, Rhode Island, VCU, no teams that have really shown so far that they should get into the NCAA tournament. And it's something that um, we're going to have to keep in mind going forward as, you know, these A-10 teams start beating up on each other a little bit uh, in conference play. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, you know, I, I, in a piece I wrote a couple weeks, I think it was last week, it might have been two weeks ago, you know, they're just, there haven't been the quality wins that you would have expected out of the A-10. Um, I think a part of that is they haven't really had that many opportunities against, like, really marquee teams. Uh, Davidson played UNC in Kansas. Um, Rhode Island uh, lost against uh, Duke early on. But I, I believe, and this, this could be our, I believe the only ranked win the conference owns, win over ranked team the conference owns right now is when Rhode Island beat Cincinnati. Um, and, again, I think a part of that is just there haven't been the opportunities but um, like, like, and then you know, I had ranked what I thought were the top wins. And uh, uh, Duquesne over Pitt was number two. BCU beating uh, Middle Tennessee was number three. And then number four was a uh, Dayton over Alabama. Um, that's you know, that's a nice win that was on the road. But I think it just kind of shows that um, you know, outside those top three, and I think Rhode Island even right now might be a little bit, a little bit shaky as an at-large. Um, you know, I, I think they certainly can play well enough in conference uh, to strengthen that. But you know, Davidson's a good team. Um, but, you know, they they don't have a strong at-large pr- uh, profile, mainly because they played a really hard schedule losing UNC in Kansas. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but, yeah, no no one's really, you know, 
like a UMass or a LaSalle, they've looked uh, pretty good at times, but, you know, there's not, no one's really stepped up and, you know, made a really big statement. Uh, but, again, it's a quality league. I think I think at the top to bottom, it, it is a quality league. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the committee uh, evaluates a team, like, for example, UMass, if they were to go, you know, lose only four or five games at conference. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, every... I say every team in this league outside of the bottom three, Fordham, Duquesne, and St. Louis, mm-hmm. is a good team, and a yep. win over them is something that will look good um, to the committee. But I think the problem for a team like UMass, who you brought up, might be, well, you know, if, if UMass, say, wins at Davidson, how much value can you assign to that? Um, Davidson's a good team, but they have one – 10 Tom top 100 win at a conference, and that's against Arizona State on a neutral floor. So, you know, you beat, beat a good day. Uh, they did beat Missouri. Is that the marquee win? Oh, <laughs> they I'm did beat Missouri. I so that's a, yeah, that's quality win. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> they took down the mighty Tigers. Hey, how did Missouri do last night? Not good. Not good. No. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. You, I, you were making a good point. I just had to, you know, I had to, I had to throw out there that, you know. That's a quality win. That's no, got to be considered a quality win because every even major is doing it, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> hey, defend, defend your uh, your alma mater. I think uh, Lipscomb actually just talked about that. I think that that's not a bad team. I mean, that's uh, the thing that they were kind of known for going into that game before that game was that they lost to Belmont, I believe, uh, twice at the uh, buzzer, right? Isn't that right? Um, so, and, yeah, and they, they, they lost they took, a two-point loss. Mm-hmm. And they took a Tennessee State down to the wire. They gave a Tennessee a good half at home. So um, I think Florida Gulf Coast is, you know, probably obviously the favorite in the A-Sun. But that Elizabeth team, they, they, they have some good players. They run good offense. So that, that, that may be a team to watch out for. And I'm not just saying that to make myself feel better. Just, well, I am kind of, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, you bring up a, a fair point. They've played a bunch of decent teams really well. Um, and beat Missouri. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, that took a minute. Um, so the, uh, I guess I'm going to give you mine. And I kind of thought of this today as I was writing the weekend uh, preview and I was looking at teams like uh, Middle Tennessee, UNC Wilmington, um, and, and a couple others. And I would like to see multiple teams, multiple conference favorites in leagues like the CAA or Conference USA, you know, one bid leagues. I'd like to see multiple conference favorites in one bid leagues run the table in conference. And I say that because it's going to be so hard for a team like UNC Wilmington, who we all know is good, to get a whole lot of respect come March, given that you know, their, their one quality out-of-conference win was at St. Bonaventure. Um, and I think if we see them go 18-0 and 0 in a decent CAA, it's a league that has a good College of Charleston team, a pretty good uh, Northeastern team as well, if we, can see, if we see that, um, I think that might really help them out um, seed-wise, especially if they go – you know, into the tournament with only two losses. And Wilmington's not the only team. I think Middle Tennessee is probably an even better example of that because they just lost back-to-back 
winnable games against VCU and Georgia State. And if they can win out in Conference USA, I think they're going to look really good. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, going 18-0 and in your league. But I would just I would love to see it, and I think it would give mid-majors a ton of attention uh, in March. I think I, I, I think that's a great point, and it kind of you know specifically with UNC Wilmington, um, I I really want to see them put themselves in a position where it's just impossible for them not to get in at large, even if they don't win um, the uh, the if if they don't win the tournament. Um, and I don't right. know I don't know if it's possible, but that's a really good team, and it would really be a shame if they if, if they weren't in the field. So it it may be that you know they they have to have to go eighteen and zero or seventeen and one. Um, so it's going to be a shame if if they don't get into the tournament because I think I think those who watch them know that they're that, that that's a very good team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while while we're on here and on the uh, topic of looking forward and talking about what we want to see. I know these conference races are things that haven't even really gotten going yet, but it's something we're all excited to start following. One I'm really interested in is in the Missouri Valley, uh, because Wichita State, we know they're probably the best team in that league by a decent margin simply because Northern Iowa just is not all that good this year, and we thought they might be. Um, but Missouri State and Illinois State, I think, have both had really strong starts, and that's one that I'm looking forward to following um, as we head down the road here. I think the Valley is a one-bid league. It's probably going to be Wichita State. Um, but I'd love to see which one of those other teams uh, could maybe challenge them and uh, hand the Shockers a loss. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know we got a little bit of a pushback on a Twitter the other night when um, we we you know said that Missouri State when they when they were up huge on you and I at halftime that that was like a statement for second place and, and a lot of people are like well hold on a second Wichita State you know they're good but they're not that you know they're not that good um, I don't I don't agree with that 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 team should be you know far better but you know I think Illinois State's a really good team too uh, they held Evansville. Um, to I, I believe under 30% from the floor last night, and you know Evansville's an okay team. Uh, Jalen Brown, um, probably the best scorer in the league. Um, he, he still has 17 points, but um, you know that's a team that is very athletic, uh, plays good defense, um, and that I could certainly see. You know they could win Arch Madness. Um, probably don't have an at-large uh, profile, but I certainly think they're I think they're a threat. And then uh, you know, as you said, Missouri State um, out in Las Vegas last week. They hung with USC for a while and that's a really athletic USC team. So, you know, I think I can I could see that and it almost be Palpo at home. Um so I yeah, I think that I think those are two very uh quality teams. Um I guess I'd ask you guys about Loyola because it seemed like for a while there, especially yeah. after the San Diego State win, they kinda of had some momentum after that. But then the last the last week they lost say, a couple games. I mean, is that a team you guys think is kind of out of that race right now? Yeah, I'd um, say I, probably. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say uh, probably not to win the 
for the conference in the regular season. But like you said with Illinois State, I could definitely see him making things a little bit interesting in Arch Madness. Um, Ken Palm has their um, effective field goal percentage, 10th in the nation. They shoot 39% from three, 57% from two. So, I mean, if a team like that um, gets hot in conference play and in the conference tournament, that's tough to prepare for on short notice. So, I don't think it will happen, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they finished towards the top of the conference and made a little bit of noise in the conference tournament. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Loyola also falls into that category of good shooting teams that can upset you if you're not on your game. Um, I know, Chris, you just brought up those offensive numbers. And the Ramblers have had um, some injuries. They've had some hard luck. So far, lost a close game at Drake that really, no matter what the circumstances are, you really can't lose in this conference. Um, But I I think they might be one of those kind of pesky, maybe fourth-place teams in this conference that could upset you, maybe. I don't know if they're going to contend for that second or third spot, but that's definitely not, you know, not an automatic win, even if you're a say, a Wichita State team uh, when you're going on the road to visit them in Chicago. I I think they're definitely a team to watch. This is um, outside the Missouri Valley, but a team I wanted to ask you about, Chris, is Fort Wayne, um, who who lost to Western Illinois last night. And that's a – Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) intriguing because they seem like – um, and not just because of the IU game, but I mean, I've read, you know, you're a piece throughout the year on the Summit League, and it, you know, it sounds like that's a team that has, you know, the potential where if they get the right matchup, you know, if they were to make a tournament, and it seems like they're a heavy favorite in the Summit League, you know, if they were to make a tournament with the right matchup with the a backcourt they have, that's someone who could cause some problems um, in March. Is that, was that just an aberration, or is, is that, that a game last night, or is that a, you know, a sign of some problems there? Uh I'd say it's probably an aberration. I mean, Western Illinois, I think they hit maybe 16, 17 threes last night. You're just not going to find many teams that can do that. I still think that Fort Wayne's a clear front runner in, in the summit. And like you said, yeah, with the guards they have, they can definitely um, be a problem for a team in, a, in the tournament if they get the right matchup. I mean, you saw what they did to Indiana. The, the backcourt's a veteran, experienced backcourt, and like we've been saying so far on the podcast, teams that shoot the ball well and can score, they're always going to have a chance to pull an upset. Is a contrary, is he an NBA prospect? Like, on, like is he a fringy NBA guy, do you think? Who'd you say, I'm sorry, who'd you say, contrary? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say so. I don't think is. Okay. Um, he's kind of a tweener a little bit. He's athletic, but... Um, yeah, he's probably a guy that I could definitely see being a good Euro player, maybe kind of bouncing gotcha. around the D League. But if anything, it'd be late second rounder, maybe getting signed to like a summer league contract. Okay, gotcha. I guess just like with his, with, you know, how 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 big he is, you know, as a, a kind of a guard that seemed intriguing. That that certainly makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a great player. I was seeing him in person a month ago. I was forward to just how well he kind of matches up with some of the big, like how well he matched up with Indiana and kind of matched their physicality. And even he 
I remember he threw down on a couple of the guys that kind of caught me up. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize he could get up like that. <laughs> All right. Um, so staying, I guess, in that area of the world, as I try to force a transition here, another league I wanted us to kind of touch on was the Horizon League. Um, and I say that for a couple of reasons. One being that that is home to Oakland, our favorite team, at 11-3, and 1-0 and in the conference. Hey, they beat Georgia. Let's give them props for that, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. Oakland, yeah. Oakland That's a good way. Team. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I we're think going to have – sorry? Oh, I was going to say, I think during the last podcast – they lost. That's. I think they lost at the buzzer to Northeastern while we were on the podcast. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's not pod during Oakland games. We don't want to get them. <laughs> I don't want any. <laughs> I think that. I know that makes sense. Sorry, we're actually going to have a piece on Oakland. We're going to have a piece on Oakland coming up on the site. I think sometime in the next week. Uh, one of our writers has gotten in touch with a few of their players. Uh, we're going to have a nice piece on them. So, Oakland fans, as I know there are a lot of you, keep uh, keep an eye out. Um, a team, you know, we've been talking about Oakland and Valpo, Oakland and Valpo all year long, very quietly. Now, Northern Kentucky is 10-4. and four. All right, they beat Detroit. Uh, Detroit's not a good team, but beat Detroit in their conference opener. Um, to start off 1-0 in that league. They play at Oakland tomorrow. Uh, I think that's a team that hasn't gotten the attention or the credit they deserve yet. They don't have a particularly good resume, but really their only bad losses to Austin P. way back on November 18th. Um, they've won, looks like, seven out of their last eight games, and maybe they uh, can play a spoiler role. In this conference, it looked like it was going to be Oakland and Valpo all the way. Just their fourth or fifth year in Division One, by the way, Northern Kentucky. Yeah, isn't that it's their first year in the Horizon, isn't it? Um, I believe so, because they left um, – no, it's the second year. Second year in the second Horizon, year. and they left the Atlantic Sun, and that's how NJIT ended up taking the A-Sun spot because they needed another gotcha. team. Gotcha. Yeah, Northern Kentucky, their first season in Division One, uh, 2013, they went 11-16, and 16, followed that up um, with three more sub-500 seasons, and now this year maybe it looks like they're starting to put it together a little bit. Possible that this could be their first winning season. Possible that they could have a winning season in the Horizon League. Um and that they could uh, maybe add to the chaos a little bit in this league, in a league that I think is better when there is some chaos. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just you know, uh, taking a look at their schedule um, outside this a game tomorrow at Oakland, which again is a great a barometer. If they if they win that game or play well in that game, you know that's all the more uh, to your point. But then after that, Youngstown State, a Cleveland State, a, a Green Bay, and Milwaukee. That's you know you that could be a team that. You know, has a four-game winning streak and is like five to one in conference. Uh, going into a game against Oakland 
at home, which would be, you know, a lot of momentum on their side at that point. So it seems like there's an opportunity for them there to uh, continue this. Yeah, and, and something I really like about the Horizon League, first of all, all of the teams are in relatively close proximity to each other, and it seems that the fan bases really dislike each other. Uh, Northern Kentucky is kind of the the new kid on the block here, and if they could add to that, I just think that this league um, gets to be a real lot of fun um, in January and February. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've tried to put this off towards the end of this as long as I could, but I, dro- I dropped the link into our Slack chat earlier, and I really do oh, think boy. we need to discuss it. Um, <laughs> there is a site that I had never read before until someone sent me this link today. It is forgettheprotocol.com. All right, it's a WordPress site run by someone with the username BenG412. And he oh, he's wrote, a good Twitter follow. Uh, you're right. I think I, I follow him. Now that, now that I say it, I... Yes, he is a good Twitter follow. Follow him on Twitter. He wrote the John Rothstein Twitter opus that is possibly the most beautiful thing I've ever read in my life. Um, now, for the background, <laughs> about, I, th- I think at this point it was a couple seasons ago. I don't really remember. Uh, Roger Sherman, who used to work for SB Nation, um, wrote a piece about Rothsteinisms which are the phrases that he repeats over and over on Twitter, um, kind of mockingly. And this is building off of that. And it's a complete index of all of John Rothstein's sayings from stay hungry, stay humble to begin his opening, you know, his beginning of the day tweet storm through his reactions to teams winning games and all this. And it's, it's just great. And, a little bit about Rothstein to just get it out of the way. He is, we can make fun of the things that he does on Twitter, but he is a very, very good reporter. Um, yes. He yeah. has, I think Jay Billis called him the insider's insider, and that's exactly what he is. He he does a very, very good job of building relationships in the college sports world and getting information, and he does a good job of, keeping us in the loop with pretty much everything going on. And it's not just the power conferences from, you know, the the Big Ten to the Big West. He really stays on top of his game. However, I think his brand is also being bad on Twitter. Oh, he's terrible. He knows this. I I hope he knows (laughs) this at this point. And he's doing it to kind of keep the brand alive. Yeah. yeah. If he's not aware, he's the least self-aware person on the face of the earth. Um, but the, the reason we bring this whole thing up is because I think this this piece is amazing, and I wanted to get your guys' take on your favorite Rothsteinism. So I'm going to put you both on the spot right now, and I want to hear them. Greg, what's yours? I like the uh, Omaha somewhere in, in middle America, just because <laughs> it just... Like, it's, it's, it, I, like I know he's got like stay hungry, uh, stay humble, and that's like the original. But I just I don't understand that. I I, I don't 
then I guess that's the point, right? That's I, kind of where I, it goes. I can but... shed some light on that, actually. Okay. That's, that's I can good. shed some light on that. I'm glad I said that. Where exactly in middle America is, is Omaha? Uh, it would be in Nebraska, Chris. Oh, oh. <laughs> Which, thank you for clearing that yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tweets that whenever Creighton wins. But anyway, that comes from the uh, the Counting Crows song, Omaha, which begins oh, with the line, okay. Omaha, somewhere in middle America. Okay, um, that's right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Rothstein likes to put musical and film references into his tweets, and that's, that's one of them. One that I, and I know that song, and I didn't make the connection until it was pointed out to me on Twitter the other day. Gotcha. Um, so See, that's I'm just that a square over here who does. Okay. All right, man. Rothstein got me. You got because I can well, kind of but, I kind of respect that now. But, but let's not give too much credit here because in the context of a Creighton win, it still makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that's why, just because <laughs> maybe it's UNO, right? They're not the only they're not the only team in Omaha. So come on, yeah. You know, right. I mean, he's supposed UNO. Rothstein's on top of these things, and he's you know has to give has to give the Mavericks some respect. Yeah, Mavericks are seven and seven. All right, they're they put up points. No. They're what? I was gonna say they put up points. They like to they get up yeah, and go. They do. Yeah. It, hey, if you're ever out there in Middle America, Omaha and Creighton are two two teams that you will want to go see play. All right, Chris, what's your favorite Rothstein-ism? Oh, it's. It's so hard to take. Is it? Uh, side note: Is he has he taken his game to a whole nother level this season? He's. I feel like every single day he's just whipping out a new one that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's had some bad ones. Some ones that even he has discontinued after one use. Yeah. Uh, I think my absolute favorite might be West Virginia basketball tougher than a long weekend at your in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very, very good one. I laugh every single time I see that. Another one that's kind of become my favorite this year is his one for Villanova. It's like a Fortune 500 company. It runs itself. Oh. It sh- shows me that he clearly has no understanding of how Fortune 500 companies work because they absolutely do not run themselves. They actually require quite a bit of work to keep those running the way they do. I, I like how that's pointed out to him every single time he tweets it and he just yeah. ignores it. And it's pointed that's, out that's by like other of Rossi, college basketball though. media people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, it's like part a, of the brand. I'm not, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite, Russ? Um, I, I'm going to go with, and it's a category on here that says emptying the chamber into Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> and it's not one repeated phrase, one repeated line, but he rips Georgia Tech like nothing else. And I love to see him stick to his guns, saying repeatedly that they won't win a game in the ACC, saying that they're by far the worst game. In the, and he might be right, by the way. He might be right. But, I don't know with Boston College, though. <laughs> I was going to say, Boston College is a terrible team. They are really – they lost to Hartford and Nichols State. They're really bad. And I do yeah. think that Georgia Tech's going to beat them. But I do like how he's, how he's sticking to his guns on that. Even though I, yeah. even though I disagree with him, I respect it. 
And you had a personal run-in with him on that earlier this year, right? Didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. On on Twitter, I got into it with him on that because he he seemed to be agreeing with the point that you were making when you were pointing out some logical fallacy in his argument, and then in trying to disagree with you, he agreed with what you said, right? Isn't that? I think I'm remembering that right. You you are. I'm trying to find which game it was. I think it was the VCU uh, was, game. Is that is that Ryan? You're right. You're right. When they beat VCU in overtime, because oh, now I remember it. Um, Georgia Tech won at VCU on the road, which was a very good win for them. And Rothstein said something along the lines of, you know, that the win sounds good, but they won at an A10 school, and this is an ACC school, and that should be something that's expected, right? And my response to that was, well, Georgia Tech is coming off of a 21-15 and season, and you didn't expect them to win a game in conference this year, and they just won on the road at an NCAA tournament team. Give them a little credit for that, even if VCU isn't exactly, you know, UCLA. Um, And we kind of just went back and forth a bit from there. Um, Now, for what it's worth, Ken Palm does give Georgia Tech a 1.4% chance of going winless in the ACC. So it is possible. Um, But I I think that VCU win was good for them. That is their only good win by a lot. Um, They have no other top 200 wins this season, but also no really bad losses either. Their worst loss is to Ohio. Uh, Ken Tom number 108. Um, they open conference play tomorrow against North Carolina. They will probably get pummeled in at least their first three games, right? Their first three games are North Carolina at Duke and Louisville. But Oh, that is brutal. That's, yeah, it's a brutal start for them. Um, and hope, hopefully that only strengthens the Rothstein resolve of Georgia Tech not winning anything <laughs> because it's fun. Yeah. All right, now what's everyone's least favorite? Or stay hungry, stay favorite, your least favorite. Yeah. I, I just, it just makes me wince every time I see it. There's, yeah. See, but, but the thing does to he, me, though, does he still that, do that? Does he still do that? Like, yeah. uh, like now? Yes, he does. Okay. Okay. So, like, I, like, don't, don't catch me. The, when I like, wake the man up wakes morning. up in the morning, and this, right. is in his, this is his routine, right? Right. Like, this is just this is what he does, and like you said, it's probably a bit. It might be a bit, maybe not. I don't know, but I don't know. It's just like he's got to do it, right? I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? But but stay it humble, stay weird. humble. Followed by the inspirational quote of the day. That's like coffee for me, because I wake up in the morning. First thing I do before I even get out of bed is check Twitter, and that is always yep. near the top because he always schedules those tweets to go out. Or maybe just tweet them live. I don't know. He always does it right around. Oh, you got we. We want to live in a world where he tweets those live every morning. That's the world I want to live in. Oh, I hope he does. I hope. I hope he does that live every morning, and I hope Jay Billis does his morning rap live every morning. That's all I want. Yep. Yep. So we're gonna pretend that that's the case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So I got. That's how I get into my day with his morning tweet storm. Then I can get out of bed and take a shower and get dressed and eat breakfast and all that. Um, but I need my morning Rothstein, so that, that's why I'm not going to hate on Stay Hungry, Stay Humble. 
Okay. Okay. That's get fair. your fix. That's fair. She converted me. <laughs> All right, Chris. What about, about you? What's your least favorite? My least favorite? Uh, I would probably go with Palpable Buzz. Wow, oh, that's a just, rusting classic. I know. I just see it, and I'm like one of the ones that says. It's greetings from North Broad Street here for Temple, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. There's a buzz, and it's palpable. Like, I just, I don't understand. I feel like he's well, he, too liberal with the term palpable buzz. But, but, but he knows it at this point because that's that's actually the one Rothschildism that he has acknowledged is kind of overdoing it. Because yeah. people will tweet at him palpable buzz and he acknowledges it and it's kind of a it nudge nudge wink wink laugh at the yeah. overuse of the phrase. So that that's why I don't really mind it as much. But I'm not crazy okay, about his uh, his new one for VCU, more life altering than a ten day trip to Europe. In reference to their home I, games. I just that's Yeah, I don't like that. Pretty strange. I'm not sure if John has ever never been, been to Europe. Europe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I've been to Europe. Well, I've been to France. That's the only European country I've been to. I don't know if that I've never been to the Siegel Center, so I can't really compare. Um but that all almost falls under the same category to me as tougher than a weekend at your in laws when we know that John Rothstein is not married. So how does he know yes. that? <laughs> I don't know if he's been to Europe. But just knowing that he tweets that without being married kind of takes credibility away from the Siegel Center argument, or maybe I'm overthinking yeah. it. But that's, yeah, I'm not a fan of that one either. I've actually started using buy stock now, like myself, <laughs> in oh, everyday yeah. life. I mean, buying stock <laughs> is a thing that me and my friends will, will throw that around. But I, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly mellow one. We were one yeah, step away from having a, a weekly segment of who who we're buying stock in. So Rothstein. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Would, would right. Who are you buying stock in? Be a good weekly column for somebody. Yeah, buy stock now. Yeah, yeah. Look at Rothstein helping us out here. He doesn't even know it. Huh? I like he, it. He knows his way like around it. good hashtag content. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, who are you buying stock in? I'm going to ask you right now. Oh. Mm, man. Mm, on the spot. I was not ready for that yeah. kind of... Well, you brought it on yourself. Yeah. Can I say an easy one? Can I buy stock in Gonzaga? Yeah, buy stock... Well, buy, can you buy stock in Gonzaga going to the Final Four? Up it a yeah. little bit. We all know Gonzaga's good. I would, I, I, would, I would buy stock in that. That seems like such a... That seems like an easy answer. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain here. I come up with something even better, but that's that's all I got. All right, that's fair. I'm gonna buy stock in. I'm gonna buy stock in the. I'm not sure if this is a hot take. It might be. I'm gonna buy stock in San Diego State. Not only winning the Mountain West, ooh, but winning at least one game in the NCAA tournament. Oof. Very Ooh. Nice. I think okay. 
I think that they're starting to put things together. Um, they've won four straight, pretty convincing wins in the in the Diamond Classic. I think the the Mountain West as a whole is pretty wide open, and I mean Steve Fisher has shown that if you're going to put a bet on somebody in the Mountain West, he's the one to go with. And I think that if they can finally get healthy, I think they've got some real pieces that can help them make some noise. That's a good one. See, All right. I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna be and I've been high on San Diego State and I think I saw him. I'm gonna be a contrarian. I'm gonna buy stock in someone other than Nevada or San Diego State having the Mountain West one bid. Wow. So maybe like a Boise, maybe like a Wyoming, maybe a Fresno. I love to see Wyoming make it. Yeah, just because, you know, yeah. as you said, it is wide open and San Diego State is a team probably with the highest upside. I mean Nevada's not uh, probably not that far behind them, but you know, a team like Wyoming, they play really fast. Maybe they can, uh, maybe they can make it because they have a unique style in that league. You know, uh, Boise has a Chandler Hutchinson who's really, really good. Maybe he gets hot in in the conference tournament and takes it. But I just, I you know, that's just a, a league that is a you know higher level of mid major that this year does not have you know one team that looks so far above the rest. So. I want to buy stock in someone other than those uh, top two teams. Speaking of Boise State, did you guys see the picture of uh, Nick Duncan the other night giving the bird to the Utah State student section? I didn't see it, but I'm a I fan did not, of it. I didn't see it. Yeah, that's – let's get it up. I'm off the potential uh, – is this a potential picture for the – I know we were looking for a – could this replace the Hartford picture? Is that not a problem? It's yeah. pretty good. One. I think the Mountain West Connection guys were – they had it all over their account the other day. Oh, oh okay. that is beautiful. Yeah, I, all right, I have to look it up. Who, who was it? Uh, Nick Duncan, Nick Duncan. Boise State. Yeah. Who who does not, does not look oh, like a basketball great. player. No, that's – I think uh, one of the – Mountain West Connection guys. I think Eli Becker, one of their writers, who, by the way, great writer. He does a lot of good stuff with analytics. He's kind of been pushing the hype train of Nick Duncan. And like you said, Greg, he doesn't look anything like a basketball no. player, but he's still, yeah, he's, he's he's still just a dime. He looks like the guy that my dad hires to mow the lawn. <laughs> That's what he looks like. <laughs> but good for him. I mean, that looks like someone ran out of the student section in a full uniform <laughs> and just flipped off the opponent. That's that's great. No, you, you know who he looks like? He looks like the guy in the student section who makes a half-court shot during the timeout. <laughs> yeah. like $10,000 or like free books or yeah. something. Yeah, for the free books, yeah. All right, I'm buying stock in Nick Duncan. That's what I'm buying stock in. All right, that's good. I'm going to buy stock. In Marcus McDuffie of Wichita State. Okay. All right. Was a little inconsistent to start the year. Last three games, though, uh, 14 and 6 against Oklahoma State, 17 and 7 against South Dakota State, and then 22 and 7 at Indiana State in the conference opener. He's putting it together at the right time as a uh, as a sophomore. His numbers are up across the board. Um, from last year, and of course they need to be. 
um, now that Wichita State doesn't have, you know, the Baker and Van Vliet anymore. So I'm going with McDuffie to be a big difference maker in Missouri Valley play this year. That's a good idea. And he had a couple really important plays late in the Indiana State game. Um, and something I wrote about afterwards that, you know, of any of everyone on that team, he's the one that has the potential to be a star. So it's nice to see him. You know, it's nice for Wichita State fans to see him kind of, you know, embracing that role and being able to do it. And, I, you know, I think a 22 is a career high, which surprised me, which, I, you know, I guess it shouldn't because, as you said, he didn't play a big role last year. You know, we're only halfway through this year. But it, it was kind of surprising because we've been uh, talking about him so much. Right, and up to this point, a lot of it's just been potential, but now he's starting to realize right. that. So, it's a and he's a good player. That's another hot take right there. Marcus McDuffie is a good player. That's the kind of that's the kind Whoa, of that people good. come for. That, that's what that's what people come for here. What's cool is well, a minute. I mean, we've we've been on for like forty five minutes now, so the only people who will still be listening at this point are the people who actually want to hear what we have to say anyway. So. I say we can mm-hmm. just phone it in and give like fake hot takes at this point. All right, Mark Pugh's a, a good take. coach. Ooh. Mm, what? What I hear? Mark Pugh, good coach. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. By the way, um, the deeper than the cast of a few good men is also a good uh, rough scene. Oh, for uh, Xavier. Yeah, although this yeah, year it's was... Chris Mack, period, Stone Cold. Stone Cold, period. Yeah. yeah. I think I think my all-time, not my all-time favorite, but my favorite thing about the NCAA tournament and March in general is just every single day getting a Rothstein tweet, this is March. Is March. I think, and kind of the variations that he's had this year, this is only November, this is only December. It's just... It just puts a smile on his face. Something about it's, just a it's great. three word three it, word tweet is just yeah. like it feels right. It's a really good one. And I and I've been tweeting this is Mark at every good basketball thing that has happened this year. And I yeah, I love it. It's it's always marked when good basketball things happen. Alright, so do we have anything else to talk about? Because I've got a good good discussion to bring up. Anything important? All right, let's hear it. I should say. We definitely have nothing right. important to talk about. I can yeah. say that. All right. So, what do you in have? my uh, in my time looking up to the best mid-major games of 2016, I kind of went down the as happens on YouTube, you go down a rabbit hole and venture yep. off. And like always, it ends up watching Gus Johnson highlights. What is your favorite Gus Johnson call? Oh, this is easy for me. Um, oh, wait. Sorrentine from the parking lot with Gus Johnson, right? Correct, yep. Yeah, then that's it. That's because, uh, because I Syracuse. hate Syracuse. Although, I like that day. Call, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll say no, go ahead, go ahead. call at the end of uh, the Gonzaga-Florida game in 1999 in the Sweet 16, the slipper still fits, is probably the yep. best. I love. I like to watch yes. that one all day. Did he do? Yeah, did, 
I may just be making this up just because it seems like I, I, I may have I, – I, I think I hope he did this. Did he do the Xavier-Ohio State game when Ohio State with had the, Greg Oden and Mike Conley? Yeah, the Ron Lewis shot. Ron Lewis shot. Was that him? Yep, that was him. Okay, that's my favorite. I thought I thought that was him. I can I can hear it, but I just wanted to, okay. That was awesome. My all-time favorite is um, his series of calls in Xavier, uh, Kansas State, their Sweet 16 game from 2010. And when Jordan Crawford hits like a 30-footer to, yeah, I think tie it and force double over time, and he just absolutely loses his mind. I thought he had like a heart attack and somebody was going to need to do like CPR on the sideline. <laughs> the, best, the best part about that, that series of calls was you can hear it building up to the point yeah. where you're thinking, if this game goes any longer, he's probably going to die. Like there was no Another, higher level for him to reach after that. Yeah. Another one of my favorites is um, the Gonzaga versus uh, Oklahoma State game in Seattle where Morrison – hit that bank shot and it's him and Raftery just going absolutely nuts and then <laughs> Gus Johnson like compares him he throws out like a Larry Bird line like what is like <laughs> just so out of great. nowhere I think around March I might do like a power ranking of best Gus Johnson calls for the site because You're he's one of my favorite he's one of my favorite uh, members of the sports media per se and It'll get us a lot of Yeah, it'll yeah. be great. Hey, do we have a trivia question? There's a whole – I, I don't have a trivia question. I don't, but I will ask you guys – I'll hijack this for a minute. I'll ask you guys. Me as a okay. Missouri fan here, probably going to be looking for a new coach after the season. Which mid-major coach uh, do you think I should be all hot and bothered about? Oh, that's a good and this is a coach who would realistically uh, take the Missouri job, right. which is, I know, a limiting a criteria right. potentially right now. Well, so, so, like, you have to cross off, like, the guys who are always on the wish list, right? Because Archie Miller Marshall's not, not going, going for a sadly. Marshall's no, not going. No. Right. So cross them off right away. And you would want to look for somebody from a good mid-major school who's had success but maybe isn't in the national spotlight yet, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And probably someone with Missouri ties. Or maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think to that point, it's a, it is a stepping stone job. That's just what it is. Um, so, you know, you, you certainly want to find that guy who is an up-and-comer who, if that's the route you go, that's, you know is going to be there maybe five years max if if you got it right. Um, Oliver Purnell. But that can elevate your program. And that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, I was talking to somebody about this, and what you don't want is you don't want to be paying for someone's retirement like Oliver Purnell to fall. Right. Right. So if you're going to go for an up-and-comer, just know that he's probably going to leave one day. So who can you, you know, who can elevate your program for five years? I think Kevin Akeets is the one. That I'm not bothered about. He was the first think. name that came to mind for me. Yeah. 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 Um, just because that's a fun style. And I know that's kind of everyone gets all excited about the style. And that's and that's not, probably shouldn't be as important well, as, as it is. But, 
Yeah, it does. Yeah, and with a team that is having, you know, 4,000 folks in the stadium now, um, that its most recent sustained success for three years was under a guy who played that style like that. Um, no, that's 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 who I'm. That's who I go to, and I don't. He's a Louisville. I know he coached at Louisville. Is that? I don't know where. I don't know if that's the only place he has tied. I assume he has tied somewhere else, but um, that's what I'm going for. So if you guys have anyone else I can start getting hopeful for, please let me know. Oh boy. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to look through the list of coaches who would be realistic. I think Keats is the first really good name that came to mind. Uh, Chris, is there anyone in the Indiana area? Yeah, I don't think he would jump to that. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't think so either. And they've talked, and his name has been floated before. I don't know how far it went, you know, officially. But um, Norm Stewart came from Northern Iowa, so a lot of people kind of of the older generation see that and that would get them excited maybe for no reason for that's just no no reason for that to happen. But yeah, I don't I, I don't I don't think he'd jump. Yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time coming up with the guys too. I'm trying to think of like um like a team that if they make noise in March there's always right. like a Andy Enfield from Portugal. What about like a Scott Cross for UT Arlington, somebody like that. That's yeah, no, I think. Yeah, I know. Awesome thing on think, him. Yeah, I, I think if he holds out, though, he could probably get a better job in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, what about Pat Kelsey from Winthrop? I was thinking him too. I was looking down? at Winthrop. No, I think you know. It, how much success – so I guess the question – the first question I have there would be, you know, he's been he's been pretty good the last, what, three, four years, uh, two, three years. Um, when uh, Greg Marshall finally left, I, I would say Marshall had the program on a higher footing than Pat Kelsey. Would you agree with that? It's kind of hard to – Yeah, I mean, he, he still hasn't brought yeah. to the tournament yet. But he, yeah, has a, yeah. like so, he has a really good team in their league every year. Exactly, yeah. So I guess it would bring me a little pause. That, and I, it might be because the personality issues that seem to always be there with Marshall, maybe that's why he didn't land a higher job from Winthrop. So that would seem to be a, a little bit of a stretch. But, you know, any kind of stability would be great. So if he's, if he's shown he can run a program at the Division One level, I'm in at this point. What about a – what about a – Keith Dambert from Akron. He's been their coach since uh, 2005, and he's had 21 seasons in uh, all but his very first season. Even then, he won 19 games that year, and they're 10 and three so far this year. So he's obviously shown he can build some consistency. And obviously, the Max not a not one of the top mid-major conferences, but they're they're definitely towards the upper half. No, I like this. I'm, I'm looking at this. He's never finished worse than 500 in conference play. Yeah, he's been there a long time. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know what the general. Is there a general perception with Matt coaches that hop up? I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm trying to think. John, um, John Groach. I don't know if I pronounced it right. The guy at Illinois. 
Um, growth, yeah. Doing okay, yeah, growth. I don't uh, – yeah, no, I mean, is there a perception with Matt coaches? Um, I mean, I think the only maybe perception is that they don't actually graduate from college. <laughs> if you get the Steve Maffiello reference. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't need the line on the resume. That's not – Yeah. That, that would be – you can just add that to the uh, parade of disappointment. But, I'll, okay, uh, no, these are some good – these, are some, good, these, are, these I, are some good suggestions. I got, I got one more for you. How about – uh, James Jones from Yale. Turned that program around, brought them to their first NCAA tournament half a century last year. Has um, should have them contending again this year. I've been waiting for him to get a high major offer for the last couple of years. Maybe has, uh, anyone, has, has anyone been sniffing around him? That again. Has anyone been kind of sniffing around him to this point or the last Not, not that years? I know of. Okay. Not to my knowledge. I could be no, wrong. I, no, I, I, again, guy with that's proven he can fill the program to keep it stable. That's yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's another one I, I I need to need to think about. I like it. And I, I don't. Well, thank really you guys know. for letting me hijack this podcast. Yep. This is this is very therapeutic for me. So this is. This well, is nice. I mean, this, this could be a. That doesn't have to be a conversation only about Missouri. I mean, this could apply to yeah. pretty oh, yeah. much any yeah. major conference that's looking to change coaches and won't be getting you know the Archie Millers of the world. Yep. Yep. Good point. Plus, we're at our best when we go off the rails anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. I wonder. I wonder if Norm Roberts or Stan Heath are going to get another chance somewhere. They're both assistants at uh, high major staff right now. Don't hire either of them, by the way, Missouri, if you're listening. But I'm just <laughs> yeah, Norm Roberts would be Norm Roberts would be a hard sell because he's at a Kansas, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a hard sell. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. But you know, it's someone like also a hard Jeff... sell because he's not a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, sometimes the second time it's probably a prerequisite. Like, you know, Jeff uh, Cable's a guy that I'd be interested to see if he gets any yeah. calls. Though, That's actually ooh, a good uh, one. Yeah. yeah. I think he's holding out until Kay leaves. And that's what, you know, that's what Gottlieb uh, uh, was on the radio um, here in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. And he said that, that he's heard that people have told uh, Cable that he's the guy. Um, yeah. Which. Which would set up a really interesting kind of civil war within, um, you know, the fan base. I would think because Warjo Housey's not doing that bad at Marquette, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Collins seems like he has Northwestern up and running, so they're probably going to be people who have their favorite, and then and that that'll just be a, a really fascinating thing to watch. You know, in that I know yeah, people who want them to drop a bunch of money in front of Brad Stevens and tell him. I've heard no, that people think that that's the only – yeah, I don't think it will happen, but I've heard people think that right. that's the mm, one job you're to come back for. Well, Obviously, here's a uh, yeah. maybe a somewhat crazy scenario for you. All right? I think it's pretty clear that when Roy Williams retires, whenever that is, that King Rice will probably want that job if he is in the position yep. to have it. King Rice from Monmouth, played for North Carolina. Um, yeah. 
Would he need to would go somewhere else sense? first, do you think? That's what I'm thinking. Would it make sense for him to go yeah. to a high major school with lower expectations first, prove he could win there, you know, not win national championships, but, you know, be competitive there. And then when the time comes and Roy steps aside to take the reins at North Carolina, just a thought. No, I think that's, I think that's good. And anybody who hired him would have to, would have to know kind of like, like I was saying before that this guy's not staying here for 10 years, but if right. you're right about him and he is the coach you think he is, all you need is a, you know, four or five years and he'll, and, and, he'll, and, and, you know, he'll leave, but your program's going to be elevated. Um, right. It's, it's a stepping so, stone job that doesn't always have to be one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But just understanding what you are right now and, you know, cause I think, and I don't know if they think about that, if that's something that they, you know, if they don't hire a qualified guy, just because you have a good feeling he's going to be gone, that's, that's not, for certain schools, you, you can't think that way, you know, because you're just going right. to then miss out on a guy who could really help your program. And it's, it's okay because it's not, again, it's not, this is not the era anymore where you, where you have a Norm Stewart who's there for, you know, 35 years or, 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 or a Bayheim, right? It's just, that's, that's, right. Not, that's not the era we're in anymore. So that's a good point. All right. Uh, have we gone off the rails enough? Do we think? I've got trivia if nobody else has anything. Ooh, yeah, nice. Give us trivia and then we'll go home. All right. All right. Right now, Marcus Keene of Central Michigan is averaging almost 32 points a game, leads the country. Who is the last person to lead the country in scoring that averaged 30 points a game? That's good. That is so. Good. James uh, Daniel from Howard, who I don't believe has played this season yet, he led the he did he lead the nation last year? I think he did. He led the nation last year, but I don't think he was at thirty points. I'm no, he was at twenty-seven last year. Uh, for that, it's a tough one. My my Not first that. my first mm-hmm. instinct is McBuckets, but he didn't hit that until. The end of the year when yeah. he's averaging that consistently. What yeah, it's like it's got right about twenty-seven. Yeah. Can you give us a hint? It was in the nineties, middle of the nineties. Oh East wow! Coast school. East Coast school. Is it a mid-major? Yes. Nineties. I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Ray um, Haskins was their coach at the time. I don't know. See, I know the only ni- '90s guy, and I—it's not East Coast. It was uh, it was it was a Kurt a Thomas at TCU. I know he had some like awesome year in the '90s where he, he had 29 scoring. in 1994. Okay, that was not okay. The one nineties name, was, but I'm not thinking you're calling TCU East Coast. So <laughs> I got nothing. Who was it? Is Charles Jones of Long Island University at thirty point one points in nineteen ninety six ninety seven? Charles Jones. Wow, well, I've never I, heard of him before, but he gotten, sounds like he was a fun player. Yeah, and he followed it up the year it. after with twenty nine points. <laughs> That was a good question. That's a very good question. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, by the way, since we are doing this live, um, St. Bonaventure is up 43-35 on UMass at the half. Um, would be a very nice win for whoever wins that game. Um, and Valpo and UIC are just under that. Um, Atlantic 10 Network. Oh, is that where it is? Atlantic 10 Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's uh, Rashawn Holloway for UMass. Yeah. Probably worth watching alone because he's very large. He plays in a team that likes to run. <laughs> so he just, every time I watch UMass, he just looks like he is just out of breath. And also the other Jalen Adams at St. Bonaventure. Yeah, and he's, here's another hot take. That guy's good too. Very good. <laughs> Good hot take. Good hot, yeah. So, go watch a large man run fast and uh, a really good guard. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll get out of here and let you go watch that. If you stuck with us, thank you for doing so. I don't know why you did, but thank you. Um, we will be back. I don't know. Probably next week sometime after we have about a week of conference play under our belts, and we'll talk a little bit more about mid-major hoops, maybe get another guest down. I don't know. Um, any final thoughts, Dad? M- more names. No, I, got, I got nothing. <laughs> What'd you say, Greg? More, more Nick uh, Duncan. He's fun. I like yeah. Nick Duncan. Oh, more Nick Duncan. That's what I'm, that's what I'm taking out more of More Nick it. Duncan. All right. On that note, for Greg and Chris, I am Russ. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with you next week.